in the world of freedom. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ich bin ein Berliner. This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arndt Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe. Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arndt Peltner. I have a great show for you today with a report from the book fair in Leipzig and a feature about the effects of localization and globalization in music. So stay tuned. But first, the news. Radio Goethe Magazine. The News with Nina Paula. Berlin. Germany is to open a controversial documentation center recalling the expulsions of millions of Germans from Central Europe after World War II. The center is to be built in Berlin's famous Potsdamer Platz at a cost of around 30 million euros. A permanent exhibition about an estimated 12 million to 14 million Germans forced out of their homes by Polish and Czech governments in reprisal for Nazi aggression will form the centerpiece of the project. First, the plans for the center had caused major irritations in Germany's relationship with Poland and the Czech Republic. Warsaw had accused Germany of wanting to turn aggressors into victims. German officials said that the center would clearly distinguish the historic context and causes of the expulsions. Berlin. German schools introduce Muslim classes. The culture ministers of Germany states want to help Muslim school children with integration and the development of language skills. Islamic studies in the German language is a subject that is still offered only at a handful of schools in Germany. A pilot study showed that there are fewer schoolyard fights between Arabs and Turks in schools where Islamic studies is offered. Germans long believed that their country was not a land of immigration, despite the fact that more than 3 million Muslims with 800,000 school-aged children now live in the country. Bremen Europe's worst pollution has been found above western Germany. Here is the home to Germany's steel and coal industries. So the area between Amsterdam and Frankfurt is the most polluted in Europe. For the first time ever, scientists have been able to measure the regional concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. The region has traditionally been an industrial center and is considered the heart of Germany's coal and steel sectors. Carbon dioxide is one of the biggest culprits behind climate change, experts say. The main source of CO2 emissions is burning fossil fuels like oil, coal and gas. Berlin. The director of Berlin Zoo is accused of selling unwanted animals for slaughter, a claim he denies. A Green Party politician filed a criminal complaint against him. The complaint gives the example of a pygmy hippopotamus and a family of Asiatic black bears who were allegedly sold to be slaughtered in the early 90s. The politician backs up her claims with documents obtained from a prominent German animal rights activist. Zoo director Blaskiewicz categorically denied the allegations calling them a mixture of misunderstandings and nonsense. Blaskiewicz has been the subject of controversy in the past. Animal rights activists criticized the zoo last year over how polar bear Knut was being raised. They demanded Knut should be killed. Protests all over the nation followed. 
Meanwhile, the zoo in Münster makes different headlines. It has given away the plastic pedal boat once loved by a swan named Petra. The swan became famous worldwide when she spent winters with the boat before falling in love with a real-life swan. Now zoo officials decided that they could now get rid of the clunky pedal boat. It is unclear whether Petra has noticed that her first love, the boat, has gone. We learn it at the age of five or six and we never forget it again. Reading. The ability to read is something we need and use every day. Most of all, of course, we read books. What's new and interesting on the book market is not only determined by bookshops, it is also discussed at book fairs all over the world. Every year there are two big book fairs in Germany. One of them just happened in Leipzig. And it's not only for Germans, as Dorothea Hecht found out. Hall 4 at the book fair in Leipzig. Searching looks, noisy discussions, the occasional bump into another person. A lot of heads are bent over small leaflets and brochures, trying to find a particular information. Not an easy task if one does not speak German. Hall 4 is home to the international exhibitors. Croatia is the special guest this year, but there are also other languages to be heard. In Hall 3, and the children in Hall 2, so we're getting really oriented. German teacher Meredith McLean from Texas is trying to find the way to Hall 3. She has been working at the book fair with the American consulate for the last three days. Looking back, it is difficult for her to recollect all her experiences. There have just been too many. A lot of things, and mainly very, very good conversations in German and in English. Many meetings of friends who have come from many different places and we all are meeting and visiting. And the books. The books are good too. <laughs> For her friend Grace from Wales, it is the first time at the Leipzig Book Fair. She has been to the other big German book fair in Frankfurt before, she admits. But it had just been overwhelming. Yeah, we're a little better informed, a little more knowledgeable. And we're picking out the things that we want to see and hear. And I'm concentrating on children's books for the grandchildren in whatever languages I come across, and um, music books. Fortunately, the language has never been a problem for her. Her husband is German. Now she's trying to teach her grandchildren some German. Books and songs would just be perfect for the purpose, she's convinced. Still, there are also some things she has come to enjoy herself. I like seeing the authors of the books that I've read or I want to read and hearing snippets of them. Um, and the, the liveliness of it all, the interest and in meeting so many people who are really interested in reading and books. A lot of people seem to think the same thing. Over 100,000 have come so far. All in all, it's going to be 120,000, a number that even tops last year's record. Not that Meredith and Grace would be interested in those facts. Right now, there is just one thing that counts, and that is books. Or are there any other plans for the last day? Well, lunch <laughs> down in that beautiful corner. And visits with my friends who are standing here.
On a trip to Switzerland, I met Thomas Burkhalter and was fascinated by his work. He is an ethnomusicologist and cultural journalist from Bern, focusing mostly on the Middle Eastern music. When we were sitting down for lunch, he talked about his trips to Beirut and Damascus and his search for musicians and sounds. Recently, I got in touch with him again and he sent me this report titled World Politics, Propaganda, War and Exotism in the Contemporary Music of Beirut, Cairo, Beijing, Belgrade and other global cities. Today's contemporary music on the edge is coming from the edges of this world. From sound artists, musicians and composers in Beijing, Mumbai, Johannesburg, Tijuana or Beirut. To understand how these upcoming artists create and define locality and place within the music, we have to start at the beginning. Everything starts with sounds from home, the mother's heartbeat, her voice, the voices of the family and their friends, then with first sounds from the environment. In der Abenddämmerung. Some sounds become sound marks. I hear Swiss language, the crickets around my house, the horns of the Swiss postcards, and I feel at home. Somehow. Soon one becomes familiar with sounds from different media. The sliding skis on ice of our Swiss ski racers on TV or the voice of my local hero, Khashbali. 
tra tra la la tra 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 la la da Kasperli ist wieder da da Kasperli ist da Then there are sounds that are more universal. Cars, electricity, trains. Eisenbahn sitzen die einen so, dass sie alles, was kommt, schon zum Voraus gesehen Und der Rücken zukehren, der Richtung von wo, der Zug kommt. Die anderen, die sitzen im Bank wie à vis at our homes, we hear whatever our parents are listening to. The Swiss singer Manimata, for example, or Jacques Brel. A lot of music, however, is still far away. The Palestinian musician Camilla Shubran fuses Arabic singing with electronics. But, in a rather unusual move, she takes the lead quite often. Crossover projects are often organized differently. We hear power structures. The electronic beats, often called Western, are at the center, and the Arab singer or instrument just brings in some exotic flavor. A flavor that could as well come from Turkey, Brazil or India. It doesn't matter too much. In Camilla Jubran's music, the electronics follow her voice. An important difference. A child born in the Arab world hears the local dialect of his or her parents and literary Arabic on TV. There is the humming of the air conditioning, the electricity running through thousands of cables, and maybe the bubbling of the water pipe, depending on the social, confessional or cultural background of his or her parents.
Maybe recitals by Asmahan are played on the parents' gramophone. Or the parents love European music. Or they have no time for the arts at all, so it's the noise from the panarabic satellite media that is infiltrating the ear of our young Arab citizen most prominently. Beirut, 2006, war between Israel and Hezbollah. Mazen Kerbash plays his instrument on his balcony. We hear his trumpet and bombs dropped by Israeli warplanes. Sound artists from Beirut have spent the first 15 years of their lives in the Lebanese civil war. They recognize all the weapons of war just by listening to their sound. They hear from where to where a rocket flies, and if it is of direct danger to them or not. Furthermore, their ears were shaped by propaganda music, and by the up to 200 militia and community-based radio stations their parents were listening to. <laughs> First of all, we have to get all the Lebanese back together. We have to work on strengthening our national offense and our national union. And later on, we will proceed with all the reforms we have to do and all the political things that we have to do. Without 
Raid Yassin, performer, actor, bass player and sound artist, collected sounds from his childhood and youth. We are hearing them now. Propaganda music by the Christian Lebanese forces or by the Shiite Amal party. In his piece featuring Hind Rostam, he mixes radio jingles and ads, political speeches, songs and local disco tunes with noise as controversial as possible. Your music sounds like helicopters and rifles, the Austrian trumpet player Franz Hautzinger told Mazen Kerbasch. This made Kerbach think about the relationship between the sounds of his childhood and youth and the sounds that he likes and creates today. I'm sure there is a relation, Kerbach said. But I don't really know how these things are interconnected. It's a difficult but important question. How are sounds that one heard during one's childhood and youth translated into one's later artistic expression? To which extent does this translation happen consciously or subconsciously? To which extent is it a deep musical and psychological process? To which extent is it part of an artist's performance and a representational strategy? In literature on sound psychology, we learn that the first years of our lives are crucial for our capabilities of hearing, enjoying and later working with sound. Are there those kinds of pre-settings that determine how the war generation hears and enjoys music? Mazen Kerbash confirms that. It determined to a certain extent which sounds he likes or dislikes, he says. On the other hand, Kerbash states correctly 
that musical taste and perception keeps changing through listening, musical education and practice. The Beirut examples show us some pretty obvious things. There are, for example, enormous dynamics between noise, the sonic environment, sound memory and music. It's not necessarily the Arabic melody or the Arabic instruments that makes music local. The Indian composers Sandeep Bhagwati analyzed the sounds and rhythms of Indian folk and art music and wrote the composition Sangit Sambhav for the Ensemble Moderne. The music is deeply rooted in Indian music, but does not sound Indian at first hearing. An interesting path to follow. Many artists avoid typical or stereotypical local sounds and rhythms. This does not mean that they are westernized, as some so-called experts keep stating. Globalization is not a monster only. If one observes the planet of specialized niche platforms on the web, one finds more and more niche circles where new sounds on the edge emerge. Many of these circles involve or are led by artists from China, Turkey, Mexico, Egypt and other places. The body of work is diverse. Local elements or signs of place are mostly hidden in the aesthetic core of the music, in the frequencies and overtones of Sandeep Bhagwati's music, in the sounds and silences of Mazen Kerbash's trumpet playing. Maybe we can speak of a revolution, a very independent and sometimes even a hidden one, because this music is produced, distributed and promoted through various niche channels. Together, however, these contemporary sounds, noises and soundscapes from the edges challenge the still quite colonialist perceptions of what Bolivian, Cuban or Indonesian music should sound like. <laughs> Welcome to Mac World, many Western ethnomusicologists, musicologists and music experts say when they talk about new art music or popular music in the so-called second and third world. Maybe they did not listen well enough. <laughs> 
report by Thomas Burkhalter. This was today's program. You can find this and other Radio Goethe magazine shows for streaming, download or podcast on our website radiogoethe.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Arndt Peltner. <laughs>